thought they were extinct. They're back. Mutated and far more dangerous. Welcome to Remember 64, where this week we time travel to slay dinosaurs. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is David Petrangelo, and I am flying solo this week, at least for this portion of the episode. Luigi, who has joined me as my co-host over the last couple of levels, is uh, away for this week, but he will be back soon, and we'll be covering some more games throughout the next several months. Of course, this week, it is time to talk about one of the first shooters ever for the Nintendo 64. That's right. It's time to talk Turok. As always, you can support the show, patreon.com slash remember64show. That's where you can get every single episode early, two, three, four, five days early sometimes, maybe even a week, depending on when I get the editing done. Um, There you can also get uh, bonus episodes where in between episode releases, I will be letting you know what I'm playing that is not N64 related and sometimes talking about stuff that I'm watching as well. So most recently, if you see it on our uh, podcast feed, I did give a little taste of what that would be like five to ten minutes at the most of me just sort of rambling about uh, games and shows that I've been playing and watching and uh, just something else to share with you there. So patreon.com slash remember 64 show. Okay, let's not waste any more time here. Let's bust out the history books, everyone. I'm learning. It's time to head back to March 1997. March 1st for Canadian listeners out there. Elvis Stoiko hits the first quad triple combination jump in the history of figure skating competition and he wins the championship series final near his hometown in hamilton ontario on march 10th buffy the vampire slayer premieres and also on the 10th oh this device ask your cooler older cousin or ask your parents about this one kids the palm pilot is released upon the world And of course, March 4th, 1997, the release of Turok Dinosaur Hunter for the Nintendo 64. I am Turok! The game was published by Acclaim Entertainment. For anyone who wasn't playing games around this time or in the early 2000s, you may not recognize them, but they're a big name behind ported versions of games like Mortal Kombat and NBA Jam, those games of course, originally made by Midway. Also, Acclaim was responsible for a ton of other N64 games like WWF Warzone, NHL and NFL titles, and the multiple Turok sequels on the console. Iguana Entertainment was purchased by Acclaim, and that's who they pegged to create this original Turok title. And believe it or not, Acclaim itself gobbled up a whole ton of other types of media companies as well, because, if you didn't know this, Turok was based on a comic book series that was published by their own comic book company in the early 90s. This game was initially set to release in late September of 96, just a couple of days after the 64's console launch in North America. But Nintendo and the devs said there were far too many bugs and problems with the game, so they had to delay it to the next year. In total, it was delayed two other times. Along the way, Iguana considered making Turok a third-person action game with ideas stemming from Mario 64 and Tomb Raider. Kind of makes sense, but of course, they wanted to have more violence. 
In a feature article published in Edge magazine, the project manager on the game said they were worried that all the violence would turn off the big N and they were not too keen on having those types of games on their console, at least not yet. But apparently, despite Turok being one of the very first third-party releases on the Nintendo 64, Nintendo did not interfere at all with the process until its final days of bug testing. Now, this is something we're definitely going to discuss in just a couple seconds here in my uh, discussion with our guest today, but Iguana said that fitting the game on an 8MB cartridge was very difficult. Music, unfortunately, was the first thing to take a hit, but as you are about to hear, we still really enjoyed it. Otherwise, the game was a big step forward in the way it looked and played, and it was constantly praised for both of those. Now, I'm not going to get into it too, too much this time around. We do have lots of acclaimed titles still to cover on this show, but... At this time, they were in financial trouble and hoped Turok Dinosaur Hunter would keep them afloat. Now, it's possible here that their financial troubles may have even been due to the fact that they went all in on this console. They missed the first full year of other 3D systems while they continued the 16-bit output that saw reduced sales. Temporarily, they were right. This did help. It was the 33rd top-selling game on the console, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that still equaled just over 1.5 million units in its lifetime, with re-releases eventually coming out on the Switch and Xbox systems. All right, now I am very excited to bring in our next guest. Let's talk about the game and our memories of it. Okay, of course, as always, it is time to talk about the console and about the game. This week, of course, is Turok Dinosaur Hunter and another guest this week. Luigi is off for the week, but he will be back soon. But I am lucky enough to be joined by Nave. Nave, welcome to the show, man. It's good to be here. Uh, why don't you uh, let everybody know uh, your stuff on the internet, where they can find it and all that, because... Uh, it's uh, it's pretty damn good stuff. It's fun to listen to. I'll tell you that much right now. So uh, why don't we let everybody know what uh, what your work is out there? Oh, I'm one half of uh, Gaming Together, a cooperative podcast. We talk about co-op games, new and old. We go as old as Bubble Bobble and as new as Elden Ring. I guess that just dated this podcast, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but those two games, I don't think they're going to live and die just in 2022 as we record this, so... Uh, I, I think that they, they continue to live on, understandably so. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. And we, we get a little crazy over there. <laughs> Define crazy, because crazy can be fun, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's fun, but it's a lot of screaming, a lot of uh, goofy shenanigans. <laughs> That's okay. That sounds like a good time. I'll have to... I'll have to bust my way into your uh, into your podcast door sometime soon too. So um, I was I, I sort of put the word out there when I was starting the show. This is um, one of the earlier episodes in this podcast. I would say you know we're we're in the first dozen episodes here, and Turok was definitely a game that was on my mind that I wanted to replay and revisit. And when I put a little bit of a call out there for people that want to come on the show as guests, I think you immediately put up your hand and said, "Oh, yeah. I would love to cover Turok," which is great like just enthusiasm about any of these games in general is is great and it was cool that like Turok was kind of in the back of my mind at the same time so I'm excited to dig into it um I say that as a precursor too because 
like I've done with other guests as well. I want to know what your experience was with the N64 before this year. You know, did you grow up with it? Did a friend have it? Did you have it? Was it a single player experience generally with you? Was Turok one that you found at the time or later? All that kind of stuff. So let's uh, let's hear from you. Uh, well, the Nintendo 64 was generally my first console I actually owned as a kid. Uh, I'm 28, so I was pretty young. Like, Turok mm. was one of the first games that I actually had as well. And um, it was so early in my life that I didn't really know how to read. And that, uh, that greatly affected my ability to play this game because I didn't know what was <laughs> happening. But... Um, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there there are these keys you collect in the levels, and I didn't know what they were. I just thought he was drinking from a cup. So I, I mean, it looks it. it looks that way. So I, in your defense, it looks that way. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was this power juice or something. I didn't yeah. understand what was going on. <laughs> um, so was uh, so the N sixty four was the first you know I guess you'd call it major console that you owned. Um, were you the the uh, like myself the the typical N sixty four owner? It's Mario Kart, Mario Party, uh, Mario sixty four, Star Fox. Was that was that kind of stuff where you seemed to gravitate to, or what was most of your experience? Uh, I didn't really have a family that knew anything about video games too much, so I got Tool Rock, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and uh, I also had Mario Party, and I think I had a Rugrats game, and that was all I really had for a long time, and. I would always just alternate between Tony Hawk and Turok. Like I was obsessed with these two games. Yeah, especially Tony Hawk. I think at that time, and Turok actually would be perfect. I mean, I'm I'm not that much older than you, but it just like just in general, like if you're anywhere in your 30s now or in your mid to late 20s, and you had an N64, something about Turok and especially Tony Hawk games at that time were just like, yeah, this is the cool stuff, man. Like this is what you want to play. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of perfect for that time. <laughs> the elementary school I went to, everybody had a PlayStation too. So I just had no one to talk about Turok with, but, uh, when people would come over that I eventually got Turok too as well. And we would play multiplayer and they would be, everyone would pl be playing imaginary fighting and someone would always have the cerebral bore and it would be like, Oh, come on. Not that gun. <laughs> Not, strong. Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> At least three times people have come onto our show, either pre-recording or during the recording, and mentioned that they had to look into Torox too because of how enthusiastic I was about the cerebral board and how ridiculous <laughs> of a weapon it was. <laughs> I vaguely, I, I, I not vaguely, I, I remember that as well. And um, I, I again, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this game and get to the sequels as well because I think I don't know that I've ever played. I think I've only played the first two. I don't know that I've ever played any of the other ones, not the GameCube one. Um, I do have two, I think, for the original Game Boy. Um, it's it's rough, I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, to, it's tough to translate a game like this to a Game Boy, right? So it's definitely a very different game. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to sort of get into that too because then we'll, there'll be multiplayer to talk about and stuff. So that, that'll be very fun. Um, so before we get to the game itself and us replaying this game recently... Um, not to date the episode too much, but in the Mission Impossible episode, uh, if you look that up, um, we did a new sort of semi segments, myself and Luigi to pull up old Nintendo power issues and read a few things from issues that are talking about the games themselves, whether they were already out, whether it's a preview and just sort of 
you know, compare feelings now to then. So I thought I would jump into a little bit of Nintendo power this time. Um, it is issue number 88 from September of 1996. So this is the month that the N64 was released in North America. And they have a very big, I would, you know, anything over four or five pages, I think is a fairly big feature in a magazine for, for one particular game in a preview of, of a game that hasn't even come out yet. Right. So yeah, as people may have heard before this, uh, earlier in this episode, the game got delayed a few times. Um, they're really pushing the hardware and the software that they could do with the N64. So in this preview, you'll, it says in issue 88 on page 38, that this game is on its way this fall. So this was supposed to be just about a month or two before this game came out. And as we know, that did not happen. It came out in 97. But, but they're very enthusiastic about this game. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> yeah. So, it's um, it's yeah, it's cool. If it didn't get delayed, then I might have not. If it didn't get delayed, I might not have actually gotten that game. Because I think my dad bought that game because it was like the new hotness. Sure. I yeah. I wasn't an early adopter of the N64. It was just yeah. Like neither was I. I think I got it in '97 as well. So um, if this came out, you know, middle of '97, like it did, and you got it around that summer or the following fall, like just after it, this this is a pretty high selling game, right? So it sold almost you know just over one and a half million or one point six million copies. Like that's a decent amount. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if it's if it's the hotness and it's the shooter at the time, like. It's cool. And it's dinosaurs, man. It's cool, right? You're going to get, you're going to go for it on the shelf, no matter what. It's like this game was made for me. Yeah, it's made. Yeah, exactly. Jurassic Park is still like the coolest thing ever, you know, and now you're, <laughs> you're in a game with dinosaurs. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> um, the, the title across the page says bad times in the lost world. Speaking of Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, so it says, Turok Dinosaur Hunter for the N64 steps out of the pages of the Valiant comic books like conquering hero bigger than life, tougher than a squad of nail-chewing marines, flashier than a nuclear explosion. Is that what you think of when you think of Turok? I don't know. <laughs> flashier than a nuclear explosion. That's an interesting way to put it. That is an interesting description for any game. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> I was going to say, it's so incredibly violent, but then I thought about this game that we're talking about, and I was like, well, I guess that does make sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it just goes for it, right? Um, you know, and then titles in here where they talk about the weapons. It's, it says weapons to die for. Uh, at this point in the game, it says uh, players survive by collecting even more powerful guns as they progress in the game. They'll drool over an arsenal of weapons similar to Doom. 14 weapons are included in the quote-unquote incomplete version that Nintendo had to play with. So, um, you know, as much as this game was about to come out at the time, they were still ready to really give you a big arsenal of guns, which is kind of cool. Like, that was just something that they really went for. So, And the last thing I want to cover with this is the um, how they used uh, motion capture a lot of the time in this. And they tried to use motion capture for the dinosaurs using ostriches, <laughs> which is like, you know, I don't think they actually had an ostrich in there running around, but, you know, they tried to mimic the movement of an ostrich because I guess that's <laughs> what they needed to use at the time. And I just think that is hilarious and amazing. And here it says that Turok, the animation 
is flawless. You would think that Iguana had sent a team of motion capture experts back to the Jurassic era to snare the motion data used in this game. <laughs> Phenomenal. It really is. eh? So um, if anyone wants to check this out, I'm using um, the Internet Archive to look up these issues. They have a lot. They have most of the Nintendo powers um, scanned in here and decent quality as well. So you can really zoom in and take a look at the photos and stuff. Uh, this is Nintendo Power issue 88 from September of 1996. So I thought that was kind of fun. Um, OK, Nave, uh, enough of me talking. Let's hear about you. Let's hear about Turok and um, let's talk a little bit about your experience playing it over the last you know week or so or a couple of weeks since we uh said we were going to play this game let's let's how'd it go how was it well i played the game on the xbox one uh port that was made by night dive studios and whenever i brought this up to you you were quite surprised uh, so were you not aware of uh the plethora of ports i say plethora as if there's like more than you can count on your hands but not that many. <laughs> well you know what some get zero so you know <laughs> oh yeah I imagine my shock when it was Torok that got ported. I was like, right, exactly. you're kidding me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, you know what? When you said that, I, I, or when you showed me the picture that you were you were downloading, and I go, wait. I automatically knew that it was, I recognized the screenshot that it was uh, an Xbox that was loading. I'm like, wait a second. It's on Xbox? So like, I immediately searched Game Pass, and I'm like, oh, can I get it now? And I, I could not, but... Um, but no, I, I completely forgot that they re-released this game at all or any of them. I knew of the GameCube game, which I think is a prequel or sequel to to the original couple. But uh, but I I thought I thought that's where the series ended. So I was I completely lost track of that over time. So yeah, um, I I would assume I'll get into my experience with the controls, but I assume the controls felt a lot better on the Xbox. Or do they oh, yeah. really try to stick it to the same as? using the C buttons and all that kind of stuff, or are you using the joysticks? Uh, you do use dual analog. Um, okay. it, it's really hard to imagine playing the game with the C sticks, I mean, with the C buttons, uh, like I did back in the day as a kid. But um, the game runs really well, and it doesn't run as well as it's on, it's on PC as well. You can buy it there on Steam. And okay. it's it, on mouse and keyboard, I it plays like Counter-Strike. It's actually insane. Nice. But yeah, the uh, the Xbox version, I assume the PlayStation version and the Switch version, if there is one, they all have they have a lot of different like options that are available to you uh, that I don't remember. Like I remember you can change the blood colors with cheat codes and yes. stuff. But in this yes. game, since it's not limited by the Nintendo 64's hardware, you don't have that fog, like the Silent Hill fog that's 20 feet in front of you. Oh yeah, you know how many guys just ran out of space at me it is funny that you mentioned space because the game was designed with that fog wall in mind which you yeah. can turn on in the options you can go on and turn on the fog wall so that you can have an authentic experience okay but okay with the fog wall off which it's by default um mm -hmm. you can see enemies before they're programmed to be able to see you oh. sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes you can even see enemies spawning you know a lot of enemies will fall from the yes. sky and try yeah, the sort of um, yeah it looks like uh yeah it looks like they come from a spaceship they're just sort of zoomed in kind of thing yeah 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 so it's definitely not designed like that but it doesn't exactly break the game or anything because right. it's such right. a it's such a small part of the game but yeah it's pretty cool 
there's a lot more options. Like you can you can adjust the FOV and everything. You can, oh nice okay. Uh, what else can you do? I don't know. You can keybind everything too. So I guess I'm not sure if you actually can, but if you wanted to put the face buttons as C buttons, I wonder if you could even yeah. do that. I never even considered it. You know what? That would be the only comparative i mean really like i mean i know there's the l and the r button and and sure the triggers now and stuff like that on the xbox controller but uh i don't know man i tell you right now like the first thing i noticed was i am having a hard time controlling this game (laughs) like (laughs) i'm just so programmed to the dual stick stuff over the last 20 years that i i like the default control I could not use. I had to switch it. So in the in the N64 version, you only switch the controls left or right-handed. That's the difference. So you either walk with the joystick and that's the default and then you're looking around or sorry, you're you're walking with the C buttons and you're looking around with the joystick or you're walking around with the D-pad and looking with the C buttons. So that's what I used. <laughs> Because it felt, Whoa. yeah, because it felt for, I, I, the, I don't know what, it, if it was just like the joystick was giving me problems. My mind was melted with the default controls. I could not do anything. I kept looking down. I kept looking upwards. I just, <laughs> I could not get my head around it. I don't, I was shooting at the sky. I'm like, oh, I have no bullets left. All right. I guess I'm going with the knife. Like it was just like, I was a mess. <laughs> It's really interesting. I guess it's like if it, it was probably harder because it was half familiar because of the one analog stick. So it's exactly. like it'd be better to be completely foreign than just to be half familiar. Yeah, maybe it was something like that. Yeah, it must have been something like that. Like somehow it's basically, yeah, if you were to translate it to the Xbox controller, it would be using the face buttons, like you said, as the C buttons and then yeah. and then walking around with with the D-pad. Right. So it doesn't sound that bad, but because you're just so used to using the joysticks and how smooth things are, it was, I got used to it after a while, but you know, again, it's just, it's just the limitations of the controller and the time. And, you know, you can't blame them for, for making the controls. Like I think they really tried because once I got used to what felt more quote unquote familiar to me, if you even want to call it that I felt, I felt okay. I felt all right with it. Um, some of the some of the traversal and jumping and stuff was was a little awkward because you have to jump at the shoulder buttons uh, when I switched the controls and uh, I don't remember if the default are that way, but uh, you know I think I was jumping with the R or L I can't remember which one so it was a little bit awkward because my hands were kind of cramped a little bit too much but um, yeah. once I got used to it got I got into the game man and I just went for it and it was like all right I'm gonna struggle every once in a while my hands are gonna fumble with the controls. But after that, it's going to be all good, <laughs> and then that's that's what I did, and it was uh, it was good. I, I I got into those first couple levels, and I had a lot come back to me. Um, oh, so yeah. I never, own, yeah, I, I never owned the game myself. It was a friend of mine, and uh, he owned the first two. And again, multiplayer was a big thing when when the second one came around. That was definitely something that that we played a lot of. But I do remember going to his place. A decent amount, especially during summers when school wasn't going on and stuff, and we would sit and play these first few levels a decent amount and over and over again, take turns. Right? <laughs> um, I, I don't know if, if if any if it just like flushed back into your mind or if it was like like did you have muscle memory for any of this stuff or was it just like you had to kind of teach yourself again uh, 
the game, even though you had the Xbox controller, which is nice. <laughs> well, the the PC port came out way before the Xbox port. So right. I, I was playing it on mouse and keyboard, but as soon as I turned it on and walked around for a moment, I was remembering secret level. I was remembering secret pathways to different weapons. Like Amazing. You get that, like the very first little secret pathway, pathway that gets you the pistol at the very beginning. This, yeah, I, oh, I, I got would, that by accident. I was like, oh, cool, sweet, awesome. <laughs> I did not I remember it at to, all. <laughs> I, I, I love the level design. I think we can talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, as, yeah. A, as a kid, I, it's, it's funny you said that you played the first three levels over and over again because that was my experience as well. I had no idea how to progress any further than the third level. Yeah. And so, and even that took me a very long time because yeah. I, uh, so as you, as you move through the level, there are different like zones in each level. And so there's like the outside jungle area and the underwater has its own like environment and, and music. And once you go into caves, it has its own environment and music and stuff. And once I would go into the cave and see the, the little monsters jumping around and the music gets scarier, I would always stop playing. Like I didn't want to go into the cave. I thought the cave was way too scary. So yeah, I was that young. Enough. Like I couldn't do it. I had to yeah, watch, I had to watch either my dad or my stepdad get through. It was probably my dad because my, I don't yeah. know if I set up playing play games, but the um, as soon as I got through that cave the first time, it was just I just blew the doors open. It was so fun. Yeah. Um. Actually, I, I want to talk about that because you're you're talking about the the caves, the different stages and stuff. The level design was actually something that I that I did not comprehend at the time, and you know you're not thinking about that stuff when you're younger, right? That's never anything that's really top of mind. You're oh, this is fun. This is cool. Like that's really as far as it goes. <laughs> and now with so much experience with games and comparing the old ones to new ones and all that type of stuff, like it's, it's a, it's a very ambitious way to make a first person shooter. I think that's, that's what I felt. I felt like it was, it was unique and it felt every level felt pretty big. Um, and yeah. I was surprised by that. I did not remember that. Like just the first one alone, I was like, oh, I'm still in the first area. I'm still here. Like, this is, <laughs> this is cool. Like, I thought, you know, 15 minutes. All right, I'll move on and whatever. But you know, I'm walking around this place for half an hour. I'm going to the next stage and I'm kind of backtracking a tiny bit to kind of remember if I see if I missed anything or whatever. And like, you can do all that. You can sort of like semi free roam a lot of these areas. And I thought that was great. It was awesome. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about it. The branching paths and the levels are unbelievable and the way that the game is set up it encourages exploration which is really interesting because it is like a jungle setting so it is something that a kid would want to explore minus the cave right. and so the uh, <laughs> apparently <laughs> uh what i really like about the design of the environment is that um there's always something everywhere you decide to go like in every right. little nook and every cranny and if you're really keen-eyed and really good at video games then like you understand like video games you can find a whole bunch of different secret passages and secret walls or uh you can find little cubby holes that you can crawl through like there's yes so much, i found a couple of those yeah <laughs> there's so much you can find and it is it is almost always actively engaging now the level design is very old so i mean you if you're used to Skyrim exits where you get through the little part that you're doing and then it just spits you out where you came back, where you entered from, there's like almost none of that. There's occasionally <laughs> you get one and it's, it's wonderful, but 
sometimes some of these levels have really elaborate secret pathways and then you have to walk all the way back and i'm like i wish and you got like 250 health for it and i'm like okay yeah. well i have tech armor so i mean i kind of wish i didn't come all the way down here. <laughs> yeah it's uh there's i i didn't look anything up I, I remember there was codes and all these secret areas and i guess you call them stages or levels or or, or you know just secret regions or whatever but like I did not remember where any of that stuff was and stumbling upon it felt like I was a kid again replaying a game this game or games like this for the first time like I really thought that that was really cool exactly what you're saying and how like it's really interesting they really went out of their way to make the make that um and encourage the exploration like you said and you know Sure, you might have to like backtrack your way to an area you were just at, but every once in a while, like depending on what area and what level, sometimes a couple more enemies will zoom down. So at least it gives you something to do. You're not just sort yeah. of walking through an empty hallway or whatever, or you know, an empty field or whatever it is. But uh, but for the most part, I, I you know, I, I was I, I was actually not for the most part. I hundred percent was stumbling upon everything that I found. Um, and you know, every once in a while, I was like, wait, did I pass that tree already? It looks kind of the same as the last one. Like, you know, it's just sort of the old uh, the old graphic technology where it's like, oh, all the trees look the same or, oh, the ground always looks the same or whatever. But I, I still felt like the fact that you could just kind of go wherever you want and things branched off, like you mentioned, was it felt rewarding. Like they rewarded you for wandering. And that's great. Yeah. And just like a few bullets is enough or a little bit of health. I, I like those little boss battles too, uh, or big boss battles, I guess you can call them. Um, I found those to be... Uh, fun a, g a good way to sort of break things up as well because yeah the, i think the the human enemies early on especially are kind of samey they're kind of the same one guy's got a pistol the next guy's got an axe and that guy yeah. maybe has a shotgun or whatever right i always found the dinosaur stuff and the boss stuff fun i thought that was that was the best part so um i don't know if any of that felt the same to you or if you just kind of took it all the same or i don't know what, what do you think I always I loved I loved almost all of the enemy design. And while while we're talking about the bosses, I was streaming on Twitch for uh, my co-host Philip. Him and his wife were watching me just play a little bit of Torah because I'm always talking about it, but he hasn't played it in like 12, 13 years or something. And <laughs> I was like, "Do you remember what the first boss is?" And he's like, "No." And I'm like, "Okay, well make sure your wife is watching and ask her right now." In this dinosaur game where you play as this Native American, what do you think the first boss is? And, you know, I don't know, a pterodactyl or something with a rocket launcher. Right. And I jump down, and then in the center platform, when it rises up, a Hummer comes out. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I never forget that as a kid. Like, That's even as a true. kid, I was like, what is that car doing in this game? <laughs> <laughs> like the ideas are just all over the place in a good way. I think, you know, yeah. like it's so wild. It's so, so wacky. Um, while also trying to be serious, you know, like it's, it's kind of a dark game, but they're also having fun with it. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's so, it's so crazy that this is, was considered such a violent game. Like, it's not that it's not violent because there's blood. And like you said, you know, you can put codes in that change the blood color and there's so many different crazy guns and all of that type of stuff. But, you know, Nintendo was very like, we need this to be family friendly with our, our consoles. And the N64 is, is a family and a friend uh, party console with Mario party and, you know, games like that. And here come the dinosaur and, you know, 
guns and the killer hummers and like you yeah. know it's like <laughs> but i you know what when i when i i thought about it before i booted up the game for the first time that it was i remember this being like oh this is the violent game that we're playing at the time you know i yeah. it felt like i was playing i was playing an adult game and i was like ah, i can't be that bad i mean and then I, I pull out the pistol and I shoot a guy and he's like, oh, and he's like grabbing his neck and the blood's spurting out. And I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, it's not even just that. It's like he, he's grabbing his neck and he's like, oh, ah, 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 and he's falling to the ground. I remember when I was a kid, my dad watching me play this game. And I've already had this game for like four or five months. So the damage is done. Yeah, yeah, but, at uh, this point so it's yeah. <laughs> he watched me shoot someone and grab and when they grabbed their neck and the blood's shooting out, he immediately put his hand on my shoulder and he's just watching the TV screen and he's like, I don't think you should be playing this game. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, What? I've been I've been playing this game. I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. I didn't I mean, even as a kid I was I don't know, I've always been able to like differentiate real life and yeah and, and video games. So it's because yeah, I grew up yeah. with them. So it's like Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a person to me. That was just something on the TV. It's crazy because the guy doesn't just like fall to the ground, you know, or the dinosaur (laughs) or the dinosaur doesn't just like drop to the ground when you shoot it. Like it, it, you know, what I mentioned before with the whole like ostrich thing and how they tried to use all these different ways to to try and get motion capture in the game. Like it shows it shows that they tried. Oh, yeah. They tried really hard to make this. Um, a really engaging game. And I honestly think that they, they did it. Like, I really do think that they did it. It's, it was great, man. It was, it was awesome. I, I wish I finished the game. I didn't have time to finish the whole thing, but, um, but it was, I had such a blast playing it again. So I have a little notepad when I was playing, I was writing stuff down. And the very first thing I wrote down was the death animations are the best in the business. Like (laughs) I couldn't, like with my adult eyes looking at these animations from when I was like, what, four or five? I don't know. I was really small. <laughs> like this is, this is pretty crazy. When I was playing the like Mario party and stuff, you know, I'm like watching the dinosaur writhe around on the ground. I'm like, Whoa, yeah. the, the contrast in the games that we were playing at the same time is just insane. <laughs> Even now, like we, we mentioned really briefly, um, uh, before we hit record about about Fall Guys and that being big over the last few years. And, you know, yeah. in 2022, it's gone free to play. So more people are playing it. It's like, I've been playing Fall Guys this week and Turok. And like, even just that alone is a huge <laughs> contrast <laughs> and having a blast playing both of them. And I'm just like, oh yeah, like, <laughs> it's just funny how, uh, how the, the contrast really works and stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess... Uh, I guess thanks, man, for bringing this up as a game that, <laughs> that we were going to play because I had a really good time. Did you did you feel like did it feel rewarding? Did it feel good to revisit it and everything? Like it was it was well worth the uh, the revisiting. Uh, what's your what's your main sort of not main takeaway, but I guess handful of sort of notes to take away from it. Well, this is first person shooter kind of at its purest form. I would say, like, if you are someone who's been enjoying Doom Eternal or Doom 2016, Wolfenstein, all it's the return, the Shadow Warrior, the return of uh, old school shooting, you're going to be someone who absolutely adores Torok. Now, you may want to use a strategy guide because some of the keys are in very obtuse areas. That's very true. That's very true. That is my biggest takeaway from the game. My biggest nitpick, at least, is that... Right you can mess up and then end up in a part of a level where you can't go back and get a key that you missed. So you have to get in the level and go all the way back through the level again to get that key. 
And another thing is that um, some of these sound effects in this game like live in my head rent free. Like I I did I like I don't I know everyone's just got random sound effects that happen when they're just going about their day and they just yep. see something or they pick something up and something happens in their brain, especially gamers. And yeah. <laughs> whenever you pick up the power Doritos or the wow, whenever every time yeah. you pick up one, it's wow. like, yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, I think about that all the time, and it's just I'll forget where it came from, and then I'll come back and play Toro. Yes, like, oh, that's it's one of those. And you know what? Actually, it's it's really funny that you mentioned that because to me, it's for this game, it wasn't the sound, it wasn't the sound effect of that. Although that did, I did forget about that sound, and then when I first picked up the first group that I ran into, I was like, oh. Of, yes yes that sound it was it was one of those triggers um now it's definitely going to be one of those things like you just mentioned i'm going to hear it in my head uh next year sometime and go like where was that from again like yeah. um, but for me it was the music in the first few levels and the sort oh, of yeah. like drums in the background and every once in a while you heard a bird or you heard like uh, a scree a screech or whatever from like a raptor in the background and i was just like is it coming after me but no it's just the music like it's just <laughs> no i love them every time whenever i would hear the monkey when i first started playing it just... yeah. <laughs> i just like i just start doing it back because it's like oh man i love it that just, was good just... oh yeah i'm the best at random sounds i don't know and i don't i don't pick and choose it's just whichever ones my brain wants but those monkeys I... it's out of your control i love those <laughs> That's hilarious. Now that we're talking about the music and the sound effects and stuff, that's another thing that I think is really great in this. And and researching this game over the last... Uh, you know, week or so to, to prep for the episode and sort of how the game got made and all that stuff. It's amazing that one of the things, and it seems like this happens with a lot of N64 games, sadly, is that the music is always, not always, but often enough, one of the things that they they have to cut a little bit off of because there's just not enough power in the cartridge or the console. But here, I still think that that they made it work really well. So even though that is something they were limited by, they really made sure that it 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 worked really well and i and i mean that's that's tough to do you know you're limited by the technology and this early in the console as well they really did a good job i think it makes a big 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 difference it's very impressive that this game was out within the first calendar year of the n64 i think that's amazing I, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the music and the limitations because I'm not sure if you are, were aware, but Turok released on the PC, I think, a few years later. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. And the PC port had improved audio and improved music. And one of the things that you can toggle between on the Xbox or the next generation version ports is uh, the PC and the Nintendo 64 music. And oh. I played for... And you, you can just pause and do it at any moment. So... Uh, the music, I think you can find it online. I know for sure the Nintendo 64 music's on YouTube because I listen to it all the time. I have the playlist saved. But um, yeah, the, the PC version, it's like, I. it sounds like a cover band or like, you know how you have an Ocarina <laughs> of Time, but it's like an yep. orchestra playing? It's like, yes. that's not the right yeah. music, but I mean, I under, I recognize the pattern. Yeah, like it's it's nice, it's great, it's well done, but it's, it's still not, it's not scratching that perfect itch, right? Like it's not quite yeah. there. 
the main thing so the very first song in the in the game that you hear in the jungle it has this drum beat that's like boom 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 boom. and every time i i think about that all the time by the way like all the time but um that song on the pc version it has like one missing drum beat randomly like one drum beat that's not there and what it reminds me of is um i don't know if you're aware of like queen under pressure and then the yep. vanilla ice 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 baby yep. and it's just like there's one extra note it's a completely different yep. thing that's what it yep. feels like it almost yeah, that's it's a like- really good comparison that's hilarious that's so great <laughs> i did not expect to have such a like jiving jamming time playing this game and i really did <laughs> like almost the entire time <laughs> it's a it's a it's a high point i think which i, I did not expect <laughs> Um, any, anything else in this game that, that we, we may have missed along the way? I was, uh, well, there's one huge point. I'm glad it's saving the best for last for sure, but yes, let's to it. tie it together with the sound, the weapons. Um, yes. one of the more fun things that I realized when I was playing it as an adult was that a lot of the sound effects from the weapons are just reused and pitch shifted or slowed down. And it's like <laughs> really fun. Like I love little things like that. Like whenever you listen to like did you know facts about games and it's like did you know that this the voice of this enemy is just reversed and then slowed down from this enemy? right it's like right. oh man the piranha plant is just a goomba slow down i didn't know that <laughs> but i uh like if you switch really fast between like the grenade launcher and the rocket launcher and then the whatever's after that and then the uh the chrono scepter they all it's like and it's like very obvious now that I'm an adult, but as a kid, like that, it was, that's it was amazing. Not- <laughs> the uh, it's it's like uh, all the different tones that you're going to hear in a in a Christopher Nolan movie trailer. <laughs> all the loud horn or or loud noises and stuff. Yeah, that's really funny. I'm going to have to boot it back up and check that because I, as much as I noticed that, like you know, stuff can be similar and that's just the way that the games were again, but it's, it is fun to notice that stuff. I, I like that. Um, yeah. That Chrono Scepter sounds like an atomic bomb when you pull it, <laughs> it out. Really it, does. Is- it really does. It's a crazy sound. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. That, we didn't talk about it too much, but the weapons are a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot of variety there, even, even early on, like even though you only get a pistol and a couple different shotgun bullets and, uh, I think the assault rifle or machine gun, I can't remember what they call it. Um, yeah. even the bow and arrow is fun, you know, and the different types of, of, of things you can do with that. Like, yeah, the weapon variety is, is unreal, I guess, pun intended, I guess, but the, yeah. um, <laughs> it re it, they, and it adopts from what is it? Uh, doom. It adopts from that school of the yeah. weapons have specific upgrades. Like there's a better shotgun, a saw rifle is just a better pistol. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, so some weapons use the same, uh, in a uh, weapon or ammo type but it's like why would you ever use the pistol if you did have you had an assault rifle but you have a laser pistol you have a laser rifle and then later right. on you get a charged up laser rifle but the charged up laser rifle while it does way more damage you it has way less output so there yeah. are opportunities where you if you're fighting a big guy you want to use the charge gun gun and vice versa it's yeah, really it's true. It's fun. something that you get out of out of games now a lot more, whether it's a hand to hand type game or, or or something with some sort of crazy or even realistic weapons. It's like they do force you to change between them and play different. You know, you don't have to just be like, oh, I love the pistol, let's say, or I love the knife. It's like at a certain point, you need to switch it up. 
and the variety, whether you know it or not, is there on purpose and it's and it's working, right? You you're never you're not oh, yeah. you're not often going way back into your weapon wheel. You're you're shifting between like probably about three or four weapons is kind of like what my root routine was, I guess. But like yeah. in chunks, it's like, oh, the first three. Oh, and then the next three, and then the next two. Like that's kind of how it went. And I, I like that because um I was able to approach things differently, especially with the bosses. And uh, do you know what the most powerful weapon is in the game? Not I don't the actually. Scepter, it's the bow and arrow. Is it and really? The bow and arrow is the most powerful weapon in the game. And I mentioned I was streaming this for my co-host. Well, eventually someone from the chat ch jumped in, um, which, by the way, I was streaming it under the wrong Torok. I was streaming it under the Xbox 360 Torok, not the Nintendo 64 one. So I, I messed that all up. But um, he brought it to my attention that if you hold down, if you pull back on the bow and wait for yep. about two seconds, the front of the arrow will start will shimmer for like like fifteen or twenty frames. Like you yes. have a you have a you have a window where that. you can let go of the arrow right then, and it will one shot everything. It will one shot really? everything. Oh, see, I never I never used it against anything that was that seemed too tough or difficult or whatever. I used it. Every yeah. once in a while, because I just thought it was fun. And I recognize that little shimmer thing. It's sort of like a, you know, it's a timing thing. It's like, oh, you got the perfect strength. It's the perfect pullback or whatever. Um, I did notice that, but I didn't realize it was that strong. That's crazy. I think it doesn't work on robots. But I think the implication is that it's like that this is headshot. This is perfect right. pull headshot timing. Yeah. And yeah. so, but even the the giant golems that shoot fireballs, one shot, boom, you're they're down. Man, it's oh, now really we gotta go cool. back and try that. <laughs> you have, I, I literally, I just, I just set my controller down. And I was like, "There's no possible way that I played this game since I was a baby, and I didn't know that you could do this." <laughs> I didn't realize it was that strong. I, you know, I figured, okay, that, that make that increases the strength. I, I, I could sort of gather that, but the fact that it's like literally the ultimate weapon. I mean, I think that's awesome. That's great. Makes yeah, you feel I mean, like the most primitive weapon is potentially the best and that's that's awesome i love that especially it's like it makes sense too because i guess torok would be the most efficient with a bow and arrow from yeah. where he came from it's yeah. really cool yeah. and uh it, it it's like 1997 this game came out right and it's like that that reminds me of gears of war that came out in like 2006 2007 like that's something that happens in like introducing a timing element in the middle of a chaotic uh shooting uh shooting range essentially with the yeah. active reloads in that one, it, it was very similar to active reloads, and it made so much sense to be on a bow and arrow. But none of that's that that that's the kind of stuff that you have to have a game like this do something, uh, you know, innovative like that. And whether people realize it or not at the time, whether this was the first or not, either you know, it doesn't really matter if they if you do it well, even if it's not the first one, if you do it well and effectively, and it's fun. You're, it's going to get recognized in the industry and they're going to get those ideas and they're going to start permeating through other games. And for sure, I, I, I don't know that Gears of War, you know, got their ideas or something from Turok specifically, but it does like 10 years prior, it made its way in yeah. a very similar way. Like you said, I think that's a really cool point. That's true. That's awesome. Um, all right, Nave, I really appreciate it, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, it was great to replay the game and talk about it. Um, anyone who hasn't played it, you know, you, you played the Xbox version. If, if yep. you can't get your hands on an N64, the N64 version sounds like it's a great way to revisit it. Yep. It's on Xbox and PlayStation for sure. And steam and Torok yeah. two is also available on all of those there platforms. 
there's like Star Wars, uh, Episode One Racer, and Shadow Man, and there's also there's so much random stuff that's just available. Like I poured it. Yeah, I, I have, love it so I have the ep- Episode One Racer re-release on my Switch. It was it was great to play. That was that was a fun replay. Uh, we'll get to that game again too. We'll get to more Turok. Um, until that time, Nave, thanks for coming on, man. Where can everybody find your good stuff on the interwebs? Uh, we are gaming together, a cooperative podcast on all your podcast catchers. And YouTube, sometimes we neglect that side, unfortunately. On Twitch <laughs> or on Twitter, well, we are on Twitch, but um, on Twitter we are at Game Together Pod, and you can find our link right there. An awesome discussion with an awesome guest. Thank you, Nave, for joining me once again. Check out their stuff too. Such a great show out there. Um, if you want to follow our show and support our show, as I mentioned off the top, patreon.com slash remember64show. You can get episodes early. You can grab some swag. We have a sweet sticker up for sale. And you can also hear about the other things that I am playing and watching that are not Nintendo 64 related. Email us anytime at remember64show at gmail.com. Find more videos, photos, fun collecting shenanigans on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and where the cool kids are apparently these days on TikTok, all of those under the same handle, at Remember64Show. Also, keep an eye on all those platforms as well. We will be putting out what we're going to be playing next. Put out nerd questions of the day. We want to hear from you and a whole lot more. So until next time, stay pixelated, my friends. (laughs) 